Welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that have inspired us. I'm your host, Liam Edwards. Final Games is a podcast inspired by the BBC radio broadcast Desert Island Discs, a show in which a guest is cast off to a hypothetical desert island, and on this island they may only choose their eight songs to keep. Records that have inspired them, or remind them of important times in their lives and careers. Essentially, if you could only listen to eight songs for the rest of your lives, what would they be? Video games are just as important as any form of media for inspiration. Games are a representation of our moods, attitudes, thoughts, experiences, and our emotions. They help people to enjoy themselves, become more sociable, deal with difficult times, and are always there during any stage of our life. This podcast is a podcast about the games that inspired us. For video games are the reason we are here today. Much like Desert Island Discs, this is a podcast about my guest only being able to choose eight games to take with them to a hypothetical place where they would be stranded for the rest of their days. What eight would they choose? Why have they chosen this eight? And how this eight has inspired them in their lives and careers? So, without further ado, let's get into it. My guest today for the extra special Super Duper Pilot episode is my good friend and Rockstar QA guy, Sean Williams. Hello, Sean. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Awesome, fantastic. So you've sort of got into the games industry because, you know, you obviously love gaming and that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been playing games for years and years and years. It's the reason I think the way I am and the way the why I'm here today. Okay, so, well, we're here today then to talk about, you know, the eight games that you would choose if you were stuck on a desert island or, you know, any hypothetical place where you're sure. stranded. So these eight games are, you know, games that are special to you as a person and and games that have inspired you. And the eight you've chosen are pretty varied and, uh, you know, very... Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's uh, basically just eight games that mean so much to me and help me grow up. That's fantastic. So, well, you know, let's... Let's get into your first game then. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to, you know, a short piece of music from that game and then I guess we'll talk about it. Sure. So that was the original Tetris theme. Oh, so, man. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, such an inspiring little uh, recognizable piece. So, yeah. yeah, the first game we're going to talk about today, as you've chosen, is uh, Tetris. Yep, that's the uh, 1989 version on the Game Boy as well. Um, specifically that version. Spe- spe- specifically that version. I still have the cartridge at home. Oh, um, awesome. It's, it's amazing. I think it's probably... Here's where I've always been a little confused. Um... I'm not entirely sure what my first ever game was. Um, it's always been uh, either Sonic 2, Tetris, or Street Fighter 2, the first ever games I ever had. Okay. Um, but out of those three, um, the earliest memory I have is probably with Tetris. Yeah. So obviously, you, you've got to put the first game you ever played on this list, I think. Um, and just listening to that theme now... All the memories were rushing back. Everything. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's just amazing. I really hope that cartridge still works, actually, because I'm definitely going to go play that after we've t- done talking. So, like, Tetris, obviously, is a game that's sort of been amalgamated into lots and lots of different versions over the time. And, you know, is very much 
a solidified game. When people think of the of video games and what were some of the most popular first lot of games, Tetris is obviously really high up there. Yeah, um, I'd say so. Um, it's it, definitely um, the puzzle game. It's just it's a simple concept. You've got like four blocks, all in every possible shape they could be, and all you have to do is you know uh, put them in place, getting rid of them, um, last as long as you can. And obviously, listening to that Russian-inspired music that we've just heard. Yeah. Um, but it's just I don't know. Um, this, if it weren't for Tetris, we wouldn't have any of the puzzle games we have today. Like, like um, what was it? Uh, what was that one on the Genesis? Um, it was a bit of a lip-off, <laughs> to be uh, honest. With I don't you. know, but obviously, it's inspired lots of sort of. You yeah, know, you've got just... like Bubble Pop. Um, Bubble Bubble, uh, Bejeweled, Peggle, Bejeweled, all these sort yes. of games that have been, over the years, sort of inspired by Tetris and those sort of puzzle blocks coming from the top, going down. It's sort of the simplicity of Tetris that has yeah. inspired all these games. As you said, it was one of the first games that you'd ever played, so it's pretty amazing that Tetris is a game that can have a child understand how its simple concepts to, you know... Oh, agreed. Yeah. As, we, as uh, we watched earlier this year when, uh, I don't know if you saw the awesome games done quick. Yes, I did. Uh, um, and <laughs> the Tetris Grandmasters that were playing in that. and uh, They blew my mind. Some <laughs> of the crazy stuff they do. Um, uh, I had played Tetris pretty much since I was five, six years old. And the sh- shit I saw those guys do, <laughs> uh, I could not believe my eyes. The guy... Um, what was it? At the very end, there was a, t- uh, the, a credit scene where he was able to um, keep going with invisible blocks just by hearing the sound. He was also blindfolded for good measure. And <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. I could not believe that someone could do that. Some but of the obviously, crazy, it's crazy shit those guys pull out. Yeah, it's incredible. But that's the thing about Tetris. What's so amazing is you can go from uh, something so simple that uh, in, its ga- in its core gameplay that a child can understand, you know, T blocks, go over L blocks, straight yeah. lines, squigglies, all that kind of thing. Squiggly. Squiggly. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. two um, grandmasters, you know, the most fast paced, crazy like unbelievable aspects of the game. Yes. Um that's the thing, exactly. It's the simplicity that makes it so special, and um, it's the simplicity also that makes it last so long uh, in our minds and our hearts, basically. It's just, it's definitely a game, especially on the Game Boy, the original one that I had, that you could just pick up and play at any time and uh, just have as much fun as you, as you can. There's no, obviously, no exposition, no, uh, no intro. You just go straight into it, and uh, it's just amazing fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used to have a little, you know, a little goal for myself each time I pick it up. Um, always get to about a hundred lines. Yeah. Then, then I wouldn't mind uh, failing. But if I didn't, then I'd get really, you know, well, screw it. Let's try again. You know, and I'd just be playing it for hours. And even though it's just a simple game, you know, um, it's uh, it's really it's really great because um, thanks to uh, later Game Boys like the Game Boy Advance SP that I was able to get my my hands on. Um, and Nintendo for having backwards compatibility. I've always had that one cartridge, and I've always been able to play it. Yeah. Um, even though that game is available uh, on, like, you know, oh god, like phones and consoles yeah, and handhelds, and you know, arcades, even arcades versions of Tetris. There are so many uh, versions of Tetris now. Yeah. yeah. 
and they all sort of have that core gameplay across all of them, even if they have additional sort of stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, so uh, thanks to Nintendo for being able to, um, for me to be able to keep that one cartridge, um, I've just played it my entire life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I remember um, when I was a kid, I'm sure this is a memory everyone who's listening to this podcast would probably have, but if they had a Game Boy and they were in the back seat of the car, and obviously there was no backlit screen. No, no, just oh. the sort of the grayscale, yeah. the, the color bit. Yeah, and um, obviously it might have been dark on that road trip, and you were using trying to use the lights of the uh, passing lamppost to try yes. and catch a glimpse of the screen. Yeah. Obviously, added a little bit more difficulty to the game. I do too specifically remember doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, um, so things like that. I, the amount of times I've done that and just played it on road trips while I'm traveling with my parents. Um, challenged my mum and my sister a few times to yeah. try and beat my score on long bus journeys in different countries and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, it's just um, as well as being a game that you can get absorbed by. It's also a game a game that you can easily share with other people. Okay. Um, because yeah, like I said before, trying to set up a score with uh, with my first attempt and then like give it to my mum or my my sister who uh, who. Let's face it; they're not into games at all. But <laughs> they, they, they obviously, they obviously um, picked up this game after I'd given it to them. This little curly-haired cherub thing, like six-year-old, um, <laughs> and very, thought, like, yeah, very I'll humour this child. And then thing. they picked up the the game and they played it, and they obviously enjoyed it as well. And just goes to show how universal this this game can be. I think Tetris was one of the first proofs that um, video gaming could be very universal across all. I mean, think in 1989, I wasn't even born. You were just born. Yeah, just born. Um, To think then where we are now, we're still talking about cultural diversity in video games and uh, gender equality, and we're still not quite there. But Tetris was the proof that, you know, anyone could play video games. Absolutely. I mean, like. Young, old. No race, no. Yeah, young, old, no race, no gender. You were just blocks. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is a block. That Everyone is, is a block, and we all fit together in a nice, neat way. It is a and perfect example of how we are all the same. <laughs> yes. Sometimes a line of us may disappear, but that only adds to the score at the end. What a lovely analogy we've concocted together here. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, so uh, Tetris definitely deserves to be on this list. Um, not in, not only for being what, like my first game ever, but probably because of the impact it left behind it and the icon, the just being an icon of gaming and you know neutrality and the simplicity that it brought. Okay, well mm. that's awesome to hear. Tetris, you know, is one of those games that sort of it's evolved over time, but has always coolly stayed the same. And even back in '89, in comparison to now, people just pick it up and play and it's absolutely the same yeah. awesome well I guess we should uh, sort of move on a bit further into the uh, future yeah, let's uh, and leave the box blocks behind <laughs> yeah leave the blocks behind and uh, well, let's play some music from your next game a, a game that is very important to you I've heard uh, yes uh, let's let's do this cool
That was uh, a piece from Shenmue on uh, the Sega Shenmue, Dreamcast. Shenmue, Shenmue. <laughs> you are <laughs> the biggest Shenmue fan yes. I have ever known. And yes. I love Shenmue myself, but I it I I mean you're probably wearing your Rio jacket right now, aren't you? Yes, it, it's not. <laughs> sadly, it's not uh, a proper jacket. It's just a hoodie that uh, I was able to get. Out. It has the infamous uh, tiger on it. Yes, yeah, um, and it's a very, it's a very great, it's a great jacket. I love it. Um, mainly it's so because uh, it just it reminds me of who, like, who my role model really. Uh, it might be really strange to say this, but Ryu Hozuki uh, from the Shenmue series, uh, when I was growing up, was my role model. He doesn't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the amazing. This is basically why this podcast exists because the same with music. Um, you know, famous musicians have inspired people who they're heroes. You know, you can Absolutely. be inspired by music, even though it's just someone playing or singing. But you are inspired. Video gaming is the same, and the sort of you you go with Rio through a journey where he is learning and he is leaving his village and yes. going out into the open world and as a kid wow or even as a young adult like yeah you haven't experienced that yet but you get to experience it with Rio and yes um Shenmue was a very important game for open world games and that kind of thing yes absolutely it was uh, it was important for many 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 reasons um i think uh when Shenmue came out uh, not only did we not see anything like it before, um, it also put down the platforms for games like Mass Effect, uh, The Witcher, um, all those sort of games we play now today um, to, uh, in, in terms of um, gameplay elements and story and characters. Um, I think Ryo's journey through Shenmue is a story of uh, loss and uh, stubbornness to not move onwards, um, which is something I think a lot of us experience in our lives. Um, Rio, in the start of Rio, uh, Rio's journey, he loses his father. Um, spoilers. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Don't worry, it's the first years, five guys, minutes of the game. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, he has to, he has this idea that he has to find out who this man was, or at least, who, who killed his father, who, or at least find out why he did it. Yeah. Um, and despite all of his loved ones and his friends telling him to, move on with his life, accept what's happened, and just be happy. He chooses to just forget all that. He needs answers. He needs to, he needs to move, move on in his own powerful way. Yeah, almost uh, sort of angrily and probably against best the better, advice. The better judgment of yeah. everyone around well, him. Well, that's yeah. the thing. He is only, you know, he's only like a young adult. He's... Yeah, yeah. He he, d- he doesn't really know any better. And after his father dies, he doesn't really have someone to look after him in that kind of way. No, no. Um, when we see Ryu at first, he lives in his estate with his father, um, who is a master of a dojo, who has one student um, outside of Ryu himself, and also a um, a motherly sort of um, maid uh, called Inesan. Yeah. Uh, and Inesan is obviously the like a uh, mother figure to Ryu um, because there's no one else really. It's his father and Inesan basically, yeah. and his f- friend Fukusan, who uh, is like a brother to him. Mm-hmm. That's his family. Um, but it's a very broken family. But obviously, despite their relations, they're all very close. Um, 
and you can tell that Rio really cares about them. Um, but despite that, he still owes so much to his father and to himself to find out the truth of what transpired. And um, yeah, it just. So is, it, so is there anything you... Because obviously Shinri has had a, a big effect on your life personally. Uh, and as your friend, I've known for a very long time how you <laughs> felt about Shinri. But is there anything personally with Shinri that you sort of think about or you can relate to? Or yeah, why, uh, why is Shenmue such a big part of your life? Well, here's the thing. Um, when I was growing up, uh, I was very into video games and um, before I got my Dreamcast uh, I'd never really asked for anything from my parents I was I was very lucky um, I lived a very comfortable life but um, like if you talk to my parents they'd, be, they'd tell you Sean you never asked us for anything and uh, you're a model son thanks for my dad <laughs> <laughs> um, you were also but, his only son so you were uh, yeah that's, that's just the truth um <laughs> But uh, not to say I was spoiled at all, um, because I'd like to say I wasn't. Um, but when the Dreamcast came out and I, um, I saw the likes of Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 and all that, I was a massive Sonic fan because I had a direct Mega Drive of Hearst. Um, yeah. I thought, shit, I really need the Dreamcast and there's nothing in the world I want so badly. Um, so w- when Christmas 2000 came around... Um, I believe it was 2000 or 2001, um, I asked my parents for a Dreamcast. And I honestly did not think I was going to get one. Um, <laughs> because uh, it was £300 at the time, plus yeah, it was, whatever it game. Was, it was quite expensive for the time. For Yeah, it was, it was ridiculously expensive. Partially the game, reason why it sort of, you know, infamously didn't do as well in sales. Yeah, true. But that goes for a lot of um, consoles when they first came out. They're very expensive. Um, however, very Dreamcast, yeah, it was not cost-effective on their part, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, uh, Christmas came around. Uh, I opened all my presents. No Dreamcast in sight. I was all right, you know. It was fine. <laughs> it was, it was, it was okay. I, mean, like, <laughs> I didn't expect it. And, um, and as soon as my relatives, after obviously opening all the pres- Christmas presents for my... Um, uh, my parents and my Santa Claus, I suppose. My relatives came over, and I was beginning to f- accept the fact that I might have to try and save some pocket money and, you know, get the Dreamcast myself. However, uh, oh, Sean, what's this big present that ever like that we forgot to give to you? Um, and that was my Dreamcast. And I'm, and I, to this day, I don't think I've ever been so happy. <laughs> it was all downhill from there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just. After playing the Dreamcast after that uh, for hours and hours and hours and um, finding a copy of Shenmue in my local um, video rent store, remember when that was a thing? Yeah, Yeah. Wow. I rented it uh, after reading um, uh, what it was about and it's like, and it was incredible. Uh, I was reading all these things about how detailed the world was. Yeah, because at the time there was really nothing like it. Yeah, there's nothing like it at all. Um, it was just like you could open fridges, have a look at what was inside, look at look at the um, ingredients of like said uh, instant meal or whatever, microwave meal or whatever, um, and I ate it all up. I mean, all that kind of detail was incredible at the time, um, and that was what sucked me in anyway. But when I pan- finally played it, um, the music, the story, uh, Rio as a character, yeah. everything about it, just it had so much heart. 
uh, more than anything I'd ever played. Like before then, I was pressing right to go really fast to Sonic, and all of a sudden, I was in a visual novel where um, there were consequences to uh, things I did, and um, you know, uh, my emotional ties to uh, the characters whom I'd never had a personal history with, but obviously. It meant so much to the character I represented, Ryo Hazuki, that yeah. I cared so much. Um, I remember there was a scene, uh, there's a flashback near the beginning of the game, where Ryo's just woken up after a few days after being beaten up by his father's murderer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where you go into the kitchen and he gets a flashback. He, he's a small boy eating carrots uh, with his father um, and he's He's eating his meal and he's pushing the carrots aside. Yeah. Um, and Rio, his father, <laughs> he looks at Rio in this, in this very judgy kind of Japanese um, dojo master kind of way. It's like, very Rio. disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rio, why do you not eat your carrots? And it's like, <laughs> and, and Rio is kind of looking a little guilty. And uh, <laughs> his father just carries on going, saying, Do you know that a farmer may have. Like slaved away for for days and days just to grow those carrots to put them on your plate. Wouldn't it be a dishonor to him if you were to deny these carrots? And I know that sounds really stupid, but <laughs> Rio uh, like actually ate them, and it was just uh, after that little speech. And it's just like that kind of thing sticks with you because um, the values and the uh, the morals of the story, just the little bits, not the the overarching one. Um, really shows that a lot of soul and heart went into it. Yeah. And um, as I was growing up, obviously, um, becoming a young man myself, uh, I felt that uh, some kind of connection to Rio because, obviously, he doesn't know what to do with his life. Um, he latches on to the mystery of his father's death and he chases that relentlessly. Yeah, uh, That's something I can't really <laughs> relate to. But... Um, <laughs> You know, uh, vicariously for Ryu, uh, I'm just so invested in that. Um, and the way Ryu behaves as well to other characters and stuff, um, it's very Japanese. It's very respectful. It's very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, polite and honest. Yeah, and very much uh, steeped in Japanese traditional culture. Yes. Yu Suzuki um, himself is uh, renownedly a very sort of traditional man. He is indeed. Um, there was a recently there was an R, uh, AMA uh, from Yuzuki on Reddit. Uh, someone asked him why did you uh, set the game in the eighties, uh, and he basically said that he wanted to represent the differences between today's values and morality to that time, and how that time was simpler. Yeah. And it really shows because uh, everyone has their um, trade. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a one quest where you go on. Uh, to find out about the three blades, which is the um, the butcher, the baker, uh, not the candlestick maker. I think someone else. Uh, the, the the tailor, so yeah, the, the tailor, tailor, the the butcher, and the uh, uh, the barber. I think. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's just oh my god! It's just I'm look. It's all coming back to me now. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> it's just that that world is so rich and. Um, I, I can't imagine like not playing Shenmue because uh, if, if I hadn't, I don't think I would have carried on playing games the way I do now. Wow, um, that's quite a strong. A, yeah, it's a strong claim, but I do believe you. From how much I know you love Shenmue, I do believe that to be a very true statement. 
yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's very special to me. Um, and maybe I haven't justified it correctly uh, from talking about it, but obviously I have brought about how much I care about it. I think Rio, um, like for the, all those Japanese characters, was uh, very honest. Uh, you know, um, maybe stubborn, but uh, very polite. And I thought, out of all the video game characters um, I could think of, he was the most I'd want to be like. You know, um, you know. I mean, like, oh yeah, I could be Geralt or Rivia, where <laughs> where I'd be emotionless and always be greedy for money. And, no, like, but Rio yeah. himself, he was very emotional and. Yeah, you know, yeah. He starts out sort of as a angry young man. Well, you would be after what had happened to him. Exactly. Um, he, he's very stubborn, but I guess that's his flaw. Um, yeah, he's very rash as a character. Yes, exactly. Um, definitely. Um, but you know, despite those um, like traits, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I can relate with his um, his flaws more than his um, you know praises because I'd want to be uh, you know. Uh, all of his great great traits but I also have all of his bad traits um, yeah. so it's just like maybe that's why I relate with Ryu so much um, oh, well that's awesome yeah I, I know how Shen, how much Shenmue means to you as a person and it's pretty great to sort of hear you talk about it in such a way <laughs> I'm sure given you know the most recent news with obviously the Kickstarter uh, for yes. Shenmue 3 Yu Suzuki would love to hear this sort of reinforcement of the fact that people want to end the series and how important it is to them. Yes. Not uh, that $3 million is enough of an encouragement. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, at the time of speaking, uh, there is a Kickstarter uh, which has reached 3.2 or 3.3 million In at the moment. In three days. Yes, that's a and it's still a whole a month to go. <laughs> that's a million a day. That's absolutely insane. Yes. Um, I can't wait to find out what, what, what happens next um, because obviously at the end of Shenmue 2 there is a massive cliffhanger and yep. uh, I have been thinking about that cliffhanger for the last 14 years <laughs> um, and to know that I'll finally get to know what happens next is is an amazing feeling um, It's if you for people who haven't played Shenmue imagine if you watched the second season of Lost um, and then it, would, it was cancelled <laughs> um, that's how it feels uh, and to finally be able to know what happens next and to know that there are people out there united to uh, who care about it as much as I do and back Yu Suzuki up because obviously you can tell he cares so much as well he does care you can you yeah. can see it it it's one of those things it's such a uh, the, the thing that makes me think is the sort of the GT uh, live reaction that's going yes. around on the internet. Like those guys, you know, they have to be as professional as possible. <laughs> but when something so meaningful to you as a person, such as Shenmue, comes along, and you know you've waited for so long, fans like yourself, and then all of a sudden it gets announced, it's yeah. unreal. I, it's great. Um, I believe you were there when it was announced in E3 uh, for Sony. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, it, the the first three notes of the song of the main theme came up, and I couldn't believe it. I think you looked at me expecting to see some kind of wild reaction, uh, like the GT <laughs> you, crew. You were pretty much absolutely dead silent, and yes. you got on your knees. I still have that bruise. <laughs> you got on your knees yeah. and shuffled over to the TV and hugged it in silence. <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking back at you and you were just kind of like, 
you couldn't believe your eyes either. And I, I was... I, I don't know. I've been in this industry a long time. And I've obviously worked partially as a journalist for some time. Yeah. And announcements like that, just they, they don't happen. No, they never happen. They never happen. They are, mm. they are mythical, almost. They are neo-gaff mythical worthy. And, they certainly are. You know, well, it's been announced, and you're you're gonna get it. So I'm a, you'll I'm get, a happy bunny. I you'll really get to am. end that story. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, I've obviously pledged uh, some money towards the Kickstarter, um, and as a bonus for that, um, I think every backer gets to be, or uh, every backer over a certain point of money uh, pledged um, will get to be in the credits for Shami Free, and I'm completely stoked about that. <laughs> um, to have my name on something that means so much to me um, yeah. would be a blessing um, and, I, and I can't wait and I really hope Yuzuzuki um, has success with this uh, because I want to see um, because if anyone deserves it he does and everyone out there is going to support him and so yeah, am I it looks like it okay well I guess we'll move on to the next series I associate with you as a person okay <laughs> so let's take a piece of music from that So, if there are two series I associate with you heavily, one is Shenmue, but, oh, the, yeah. but the other is Sonic, and specifically Sonic 2. Dude, um, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirts, Sonic the Hedgehog shoes, Sonic the Hedgehog comics, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, memorabilia, um, plushies, fan, empty Fanta cans with his face on. I collected all of these things. You I was are... the sh- the, the guy massive. you are the guy i know who still defends sonic see yeah he's um, fallen sonic, on difficult times as we all know he certainly has but um, there are, you are you are still there although you you don't really like the the new 3d apart from like sonic adventure and sonic adventure 2 yeah did yeah. did you enjoy generations uh, i did actually i think it was a massive return to form yeah. um however they seem to have completely ignored that and yeah and they've sort of dipped direction. again yeah sonic yeah. boom let's yeah that's not even <laughs> that's let's not even let's not even discuss fun. that um so yeah so sonic 2 like why is this on your list then um i think i mentioned earlier that tetris was my first game um but i also mentioned that i was confused and i wasn't sure if it was street fighter or sonic 2 um i did get a Game Boy and a Mega Drive around the same time and yeah. uh, I do associate Sonic 2 Genesis for anyone who potentially yes. is listening anywhere else yes um, I did get Sonic 2 with my Genesis at the same time and um, that was the first proper game that wasn't a handheld that I ever owned um, and from that day onwards I was absolutely hooked um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's I don't know um, 
it was just the color, the music, uh, everything about it. Sonic's design was nothing like it wasn't like anything I'd seen before, really. I mean, even if you look at him now, he's quite unique. Um, well, he's a hedgehog, and yeah, he yeah. doesn't really look like a hedgehog. Exactly, and he's got a single eye, but that looks like two. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit strange. <laughs> oh yeah, his stuff. brow doesn't quite reach the bottom, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Um, Knuckles does, but that's that's another guy. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a game that I, as well as many of my close friends at school at the time, were playing, and it was the first time I had. Um, something to talk to, uh, like outside of school, um, with other kids. Um, like everyone was experiencing the f- same thing, going through the fads. Um, it's kind of like how Pokemon was back in the day. Like yeah. everyone was into Pokemon. Everyone yeah. was talking about. It was Pokemon. a few years before Pokemon. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, so yeah, uh, I had some close friends back then, and uh, we we got together. They were my best friends for a long time because of Sonic, um, and. Uh, things like Sonic the Hedgehog, um, they really, they they don't have a story really. Um, there's there's that sort of synopsis you get in the manual, and then the rest of it you kind of like uh, just play through, and you you find these uh, visual uh, cues and like oh yeah, this is what happens now, whatever. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty open, and um, uh, obviously Sonic Tales have a distinct personality, and the way that they conveyed that through the video game is fantastic. Um, and that basically gave me and my friends um, like uh, like the building blocks for every playtime. Uh, like at school, um, uh, at, at school we would like uh, I, I would be Sonic, my friend would be Tails, uh, and my other friend would be Robotnik, and we just like we I guess you'd, we'd role play and just like have a lot of fun, <laughs> uh, just like pretending to be these characters. And bear in mind we were like I don't know six or seven years old. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, there was such a happy time in my life, and it's all thanks to Sonic. Um, I remember as well um, uh, two occasions um, that Sonic Two, um, uh, two occasions that basically showed Sonic Two to me how much how much it was a big part of my life. Yeah. There was a moment uh, on a Saturday morning where I'd stick on Sonic Two. And my sister sat down and played with it, played it with me. Yeah. And um, obviously, I mentioned before, my sister's not into video games at all. And um, the fact that we could bond that way over Sonic 2 was very special to me. Yeah. And I remember as well um, the smell of the room and stuff like that. And my dad was in his nightingown um, reading the paper, sat behind us. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Uh, um, yeah. I sort of had a similar experience with Super Mario 64. And I remember specifically one morning sitting on, like when it was... A half term break from school I remember sitting with my brother playing uh, Super Mario 64 and I absolutely vividly remember everything around me and everything yeah. that was happening on yeah I mean like uh, in this room the, the, the curtains were slightly ajar and because um, I couldn't see the TV um, and the, uh, the light the sun was shining through it and I could see like the dust in the, in the, the beam of the sun and and everything to do with uh, Green Hill Zone in the background. Um, yeah, it's just that memory um, has stuck with me for a long time. Um, like you say, it's just that one vivid memory that you'll probably never forget. Yeah, those are the sort of the games that define you, the ones that you can vividly remember times. Yes. And th- um, as I said, like I've known you for getting on over 10 years now. And yeah. 
there are two series I always associate with you, and no matter how much I like both those series, I know my <laughs> fondness of them pales in comparison to how much they mean to you. Yeah. You are the Sonic guy, the Shenmue guy. You're very much uh, growing up the Sega guy, really. Uh, yeah, um, Sega was a massive part of my life. Um, obviously, having a Meg Drive slash Genesis uh, as my first console, um, it was uh, it was a real. It just set up the path of my gaming career, if you if you will. Yeah. Um, because after that, um, I got myself a Dreamcast. Um, tried my best to get a uh, handheld. Uh, what was it? A Game Gear. Um, couldn't unfortunately probably for the best yeah probably for the best Um, (laughs) but yeah I was very much a Sega guy um, and I remember the (laughs) the adverts that were on TV um, like uh, Genesis does what Sega don't exactly Nintendo don't (laughs) (laughs) Nintendo don't yeah Sega does what Nintendo don't Um, and yeah uh, obviously being a huge Sonic fan um, I uh, had the comics and all the all the bo- all the bollocks that you know would just have his face on it, and would just collect it, and it was, it was becoming a real problem actually as I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so specifically, why Sonic Two over you know Sonic One, Sonic Three, S- Sonic CD? Why specifically like Sonic Two though? Um, that's interesting uh, because I was on the fence between Sonic uh, Two and Sonic Three and Knuckles. Because oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I specifically remember um, Sonic 3 and Knuckles being the very first game I ever finished and completed. Okay. Um, yeah, and Sonic 2, be, being very young, uh, I felt the last few stages were really hard. Um, so I finished that much later. But the reason I'm going to go with Sonic 2 is, um, well, I think it was it was on my birthday. I think I was like eight years old or something, or seven. Um, some friends came around, some friends that, weren't obviously um, into Sonic as much as I was and all that. They came around, and my sister uh, was, there, was there as well. And we sort of, uh, they sort of just like, oh, let's go play outside. Okay, let's go play outside. And then they all went outside. And then I openly remember choosing to stay inside <laughs> and play Sonic 2 rather than go play outside with them. And I, I know that that might be, for all the mothers listening, I know that might be a very um, bad thing in your eyes. Um, but for me, it just showed me how much this sort of thing meant to me and how much uh, I would, you know, it's, it's kind of strange that I would choose, um, you know, uh, a video game over my friends. I don't uh, think so. I think, I think it's becoming very much more, not so much then, but very much more now, socially acceptable that video gaming is a... It's a hobby that means so much to a lot of people that yeah. going outside to play and that kind of thing is all well and great, or playing sports and such. But sometimes you just become so immersed and you can't stop thinking about certain games, especially good games that stay it's, with you. I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, like uh, like many other hobbies, um, not all of them start when you're young, and I think video games for many people have. Um, so it's sort of like, it takes, it takes you when you're very young and impressionable and, um, they, uh, they're so colorful and so exciting and the music's amazing and you, you, you open your eyes to all these, um, amazing stories that they present as well. Um, and growing up with that ideal, um, it's just sort of, 
you know, it just sticks with you, I think, uh, as a hobby that, that way. I mean, it's different from collecting stamps, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Sonic 2, um, specifically for that memory, I think, um, the fact that it definitely showed its sort of, like, um, roots in me uh, that day. Um, and I, whenever I think back to Sonic 2, it's those two memories in my head um, where life was simpler Life was uh, certainly more uh, colourful somehow. Um, <laughs> very, very colourful. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just. It, it, I think it just reminds me of uh, much simpler times, as a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of people um, listening to this could relate to. Awesome. Well, I guess we can sort of move on to your next game, which is. As I've said it before, with Sonic and Shenmue, it's another game I associate with you, but not <laughs> yeah. as much because I'm. I think I'm just as big a fan of this series as you are. Oh, we're going to have a good conversation. We about are this. going to have a good conversation about this. So let's get into playing some music for the next game. So that was the main theme for Metal Gear Solid. Metal yeah. Gear Solid, the <laughs> iconic uh, franchise from Hideo Kojima. Uh, this is the. It was the first Metal Gear game on PlayStation. Yep. Um, obviously, we had the old Metal Gear games. For That's right. The NES. Um, was uh, it on the NES? The original Metal Gear games. Yeah, and uh, I think it was the Commodore. The pre- some other consoles as well that I'm not actually 100% sure of. <laughs> yeah, they did jump around a lot. Yeah, but Metal Gear, a franchise both you and I have m- massively spoken about in the past about how much oh, we yeah. love this series. We have played through pretty much all of the games together. Endlessly. 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 We've done speed runs, we've done European extreme hard mode speed runs, and this is a series that we both have very much love for in common. Absolutely. So, um, as much as I could talk about it, why it would potentially be on my list, you are the guest. Why is Metal Gear Solid on your list, Sean? Well, here's the thing about Metal Gear Solid, right? Um, it wasn't the first Metal Gear I played. Um, I played the second one first. Oh, really? And yes, I did. Um, so, you didn't sort of... So, the whole sort of riding snake thing oh, no, yeah, didn't really was, matter um, to you, I guess. I'm actually one of the few people uh, that I know, at least, uh, that actually quite like Raiden. <laughs> um, because <laughs> for that reason, um, Kojima, I know we're talking about Metal Gear 2 here, but I uh, want to get this out there. Uh, Kojima said in his um, documentary that was packaged with Metal Gear 2 that the reason that they wanted people to play a snake for a short amount of time and then have Raiden uh, experience uh, what Snake was capable of throughout his story yeah. was because that he wanted people to look up to Snake in the same way that Raiden does um, and I think that is precisely what he succeeded to do with me yeah. um, I think that because I was Raiden I was able to put Snake on a pedestal in a way and say this is the man I aspire to be 
like in that game mode, uh, in that game basically. So even um, though you started with Metal Gear Two and Raiden was you know the main protagonist, mm-hmm. Snake still was the guy. Snake was the guy. He was, um, he was the guy. Everyone wants to be Snake. Like yeah, if you if you could be. Uh, a good person be a good person but if you could be snake always be snake <laughs> always be snake <laughs> yeah so uh, when did you get round to playing Metal Gear Solid then after you'd played 2 was it like immediately you were like oh my god this game is fantastic are there any other games in the series or pretty much yeah I mean um, funnily enough I picked up Metal Gear Solid 2 in the same video rental store I bought Shenmue in oh really uh, and I did the exact same thing. I rented it. So for that a while. store was like where you were born. Basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I should revisit. Actually, I think it's a River Island now, which is very de- depressing. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did the same thing with Shenmue. There, I rented it and then went back saying, "I need this game. Sell it to me now." Um, and I did. Um, and I played through it, and I never felt so uh, anxious in my entire life when the guard spotted me and all that. Um, and then. All this backstory was happening, and all this story, uh, all this dialogue was going on, and they were talking about events that I didn't know about. Um, and just like, like Shadow Moses, and yeah, you didn't know about those yet. No, I had no idea. Um, and after completing the game, I thought, shit, I have to know more. This is an amazing universe, and I need to need to experience it all. So I did some research. Obviously, I found out about Mega Sold, the first one. Um, Got it off Amazon for uh, you know for a small amount because yeah. <laughs> at the time it wasn't as rare, um, and yeah, I uh, just played it on my PS2 and I was equally as blown away um, because uh, as much as I liked Metal Gear Solid 2, um, the story was still a little convoluted. Um, it wasn't uh, as straightforward and as Hollywood as Metal Gear Solid, um, and I think that's what. I like about the the first game. It is basically uh, an emotional, uh, visceral Hollywood experience, and I think that's exactly yeah. what Kojima aimed to do. Well, um, it's obviously sort of a remake of the first Metal Gear. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's very much a contained story. You know, you didn't really know about the uh, the Les Enfants Terribles. <laughs> the Les Enfants Terribles. Yeah, you didn't uh, yeah. really know about that project. You you didn't know really who Big Boss was, and obviously now Big Boss is probably arguably the biggest part of the whole series. Oh yeah, not uh, so much Solid and everything that's happened with Big Boss and the Boss and Zero and the Patriots and all yeah, that kind of thing. Basically, no no Big Boss, no Metal Gear. Yeah, That's so it. Metal Gear Solid itself was a sort of it was a self-contained story. You are this agent, this sort of secret, covert operative yeah. who is going to basically stop a nuclear deterrent, really. And apparently, you're very good at sneaking cigarettes through his stomach. Very good at sneaking a lot of things through his sort <laughs> of unlimited uh, pockets. That's right. Um, yeah, it's just uh, when I when I put it up. Um, and Snake was flo- uh, swimming through that um, sort of like underground harbour area, and then he got through, he had to sneak through and get into the elevator. All during that, um, there was this brilliant sort of atmosphere, and like, like it was only added by the, the names of the, the, the developers and the producers and the makers of the game popping up on the screen, like they would the title of a movie sequence. Yeah. Um, and that obviously got me very involved um, instantly. Uh, it was very hard to put it down once I picked it up. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, it's uh, 
obviously, we can't talk about Metal Gear Solid without talking about some of the more innovative, crazy things that they did uh, that they did with that game. Well, Kojima's that. known for being basically fucking crazy and <laughs> making some very obtuse gameplay in a sense very yeah. very weird yeah. very strange he's not afraid to sort of show his eclectic side of choice I and, agree and I guess that's what makes the Metal Gear franchise so special and really memorable for people like you and me yeah I'd say so um, I mean like I, I like many many other people got stuck at the point where uh, I was supposed to phone Meryl on the codec oh, and God. had no idea how to do that and like, and he even told me how to, and I was like, "What do you mean, the back of the box? What you do know? you mean, you, you <laughs> fuck you? What do you mean?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, had I emulated this game or something, I'd be stuck right there. Like, okay, well, screw you this game. You would never I, know stuck. how to get past it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's things like that, and the uh, the psychomantis uh, boss fight. Which was oh, crazy. Did you like Castlevania? Did you like Castlevania? Don't you? Yeah, uh, things like that, um, where you put down the controller and he moves <laughs> it with a vibration function. Like it's all like fireworks. All and these all that sort, sort of, of fourth wall breaking things that yes. would yeah. be so out of place in another game. Yeah. Like um, imagine playing Call of Duty or something, and then all of a sudden, you know. They're like, nice shooting there, kid, or like turning around to you, and they were like, how about you boot up the game in a different way? You know, like, just <laughs> yeah. things that are so odd and don't usually fit, they sort of are what make Metal Gear so special. I agree. It's a supernatural sort of background. Um, that it gets like, away with. Yeah, and it's masked, masked by this Hollywood military sort of uh, visage, but there's obviously something much deeper uh, in a... Um, uh, in the design choices, yeah. and uh, it's just, yeah, like I said, it's very supernatural and very weird. It's it a, is it's awesome. Weird is a good way to describe Metal Gear. Yeah, but very uh, memorable. Absolutely. Um, obviously, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd played Shenmue first, obviously for um, for a, for years before this. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was the first game I encountered, like voice acting and stuff. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Shenmue and Metal Gear were around about so released around the same time. Yeah, Metal Gear was 2000. a Metal Gear was a, uh, a year or two beforehand. Yeah, yeah, it was 1999, I think. Um, might have to check that. I think but, Shenmue was 1999. Yeah, and then uh, Metal Gear was 1998. Eight? Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, I think I think they were a year or two. Yeah, the point being. Um, it's just kind of like uh, I'd never like heard voice acting before in, Sh- in Shenmue, and I'll be honest. One thing about it is the voice acting being really bad. Yeah, the, oh, le- let's not beat around the bush. The voice acting in Shenmue is terrible. Yes, it is not that great. Uh, although I didn't know much better, like better at the time. Yeah. Um, though the, mu- the the voice acting in Metal Gear Solid is on a whole other level. Um, Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's just the the dialogue is incredible for one thing. Um, people like this, people seriously like to sort of like get like talk in that film. Uh, film. There, there you go. I call it. A film. <laughs> Kojima, Kojima uh, would be so happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, he would. Um, yeah, people are very mouthy in that game. Um, and uh, ever since I played it, I've I've just been doing Liquid Snake impressions. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just give, it's, give give us your best Liquid Snake impression. Snake, did you like my sunglasses? 
Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> but well, things like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Snake is iconic, and David Hatier's voice as yeah. Sonic. Sonic? Snake. Snake. Oh, well, we're getting confused. Yeah, very confused. <laughs> snake. I mean snake. Um, it's something that resonates with people, and uh, it's sort of a shame that he's been, quote-unquote, replaced. Yeah, um, it is a sad it thing. It feels but... like they've taken a very memorable part of what made Metal Gear Metal Gear. Yeah, it, they've taken... Um... <sighs> It's like if Metal Gear Solid was uh, a human body, it's, you know, th- there'd be certain uh, elements to it. It would be uh, David Hater's head with like an eye patch and a yes, headband. And, basically. Um, and it's hard and, like, to think of it in any other way. Exactly. Uh, David Hater, uh, if you remove him, you'd basically be playing around with the headless corpse. Um, and even though the corpse is still pretty nice looking, it's. Wait, this is a, getting to be a really weird analogy but, <laughs> but basically what we're trying to say is David Hayter is an incredible uh, talent and is basically um, defined uh, the voice of Snake and the series as a whole um, Kiefer has a lot to live up to basically he does um, even though he's got a sexy voice himself he does um, but he I am very much in the camp of please bring back David Hayter yeah. well hopefully um, Snake as well, you know, yeah, this is this is something we've discussed, haven't we? This, uh, yes. Our theory is that obviously Big Boss and Solid Snake are two different entities, although they very much share the same DNA because S- Solid yeah. is a clone of Big Boss. That Kojima has tried to secretly separate them as two different entities, so Big Boss will be Kiefer Sutherland, and yes. then Solid may make an appearance and will have David Hayter's voice, and that would be awesome. I really hope so because it's not the first time that um, if that were to happen that Kojima has pulled the fast one on us. Oh god, Kojima likes to pull a fast one on everyone. Uh, yeah, obviously um, it went over my head when I first played Metal Gear Solid uh, 2 uh, because I hadn't played the first one yeah. but everyone was expected to play a yeah, snake and you w- ended up uh, playing as the secret character that they'd kept hidden this from. This very everyone. young uh, almost like Ryu in his sort of rashness. Uh, yeah, um, I'd say so. This was silverhead new agent who has <laughs> I will admit grown to redeem himself in you know Metal Gear Solid 4 and yeah and Rising is a great game so. Rising is an incredible game yeah. I had so much fun with that yeah. Um, uh, but yeah um, <laughs> Raiden see the thing about Raiden is like it's obviously uh, <laughs> he's very people like him if they haven't played the first game and I think that's uh, the big thing I mean most people have played the first and then the second and yeah. they hate Raiden because he ba- he kind of took away Snake from the people who wanted to play a Snake yeah that's um, true I mean I will admit I waited so long for Metal Gear yeah. Solid 2 and you play the first mission you are Snake everything feels good the graphics are better everything is better yeah and then and bang, then, you're uh, spending the next 12, 15 hours playing as this guy who is quite, you know, he's quite, he likes to whinge. He, <laughs> he yeah. doesn't really know what to do. And as great as that game is in its gameplay, it was always sort of a, a little annoyance. Yeah, I can imagine. That you weren't Snake after waiting for so long. I did go back and replay the intro over and over again, so I got to be Snake for a <laughs> yeah, the Tanker chapter was incredible. Yeah. However, um, from my point of view, uh, having played, uh, not played the first game 
uh, and then going jumping in straight as Raiden. Um, I was in the same sort of uh, perspective as Raiden. I didn't know what was going on. I thought people were taking advantage of me. I saw Snake as a sort of um, black cop, sort of uh, third party, just sneaking in and out of the place yeah. and thinking, wow, that guy's fucking cool. And um, yeah, I think that's exactly what they wanted to do for newcomers. Yeah. And uh, if anything, they've succeeded at that at least. Um, because it's definitely made me interested in the first game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what an incredible game and yeah. series. Metal Gear as a series is one of the games that we became friends over, what we found in common. Yeah, yeah, it and, definitely uh, was. Um, on a level as well, Metal Gear is important to me because of that. Yeah, exactly. I, I t- wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, <sighs> I think, what what was it that came out um, when we were in college? Was it Snake Eater? Uh, or had that just been before? Snake Eater was just before, I think. Uh, n- n- yeah, no, it was around about the same time, I believe. Yeah. 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, everyone everyone who loved games were playing these uh, the, the Metal Gear series. Mm. And uh, I think everyone who has, has this, um, has this massive thing in common. Uh, yeah. this, uh, this sort of, like level of quality that yeah. we kind of expect. It was very much a uh, oh, story nice games. to meet you. You like video games? Yeah. Oh, you like Metal Gear? Yeah, heck yeah, I love Metal yeah, Gear. Yeah, let's talk about Metal Gear <laughs> let's for talk the next about three Metal hours. Gear. You know? Oh, did you play Metal Gear Solid 3? <laughs> absolutely. And then, because it was still pretty much fresh in our minds then. Talking yeah, about absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. so shall we sort of move on to your... I, I mean, I could talk about Metal Gear all day, but yeah, shall we yeah. sort of move on to your next game? And, let's uh, get the other games out of the way. Let's, let's get this. yeah. So we got four more games. So yep. let's move on to your next one. So let's hear a piece of music from that. I almost wanted to play the whole of that. I, <laughs> I, would, I don't blame you. Absolutely adore the piano theme for Zanacard. That funny fun fact. That song was the first song I ever played on guitar. Learned to play on guitar. Um, so yeah. <laughs> well, let the game Final Fantasy X, of course. Yeah. A very sort of change and departure for the Final Fantasy series itself. I think so. Yeah. And a game that is sort of between Final Fantasy fans, I think, loved and hated? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, when it first came out, there was yeah, definitely that divide. There was some backlash towards what the game was yeah. to people. So uh, then why, out of all of the Final Fantasies, is Final Fantasy X the one you want to stick on this list? Um. Okay, here's a theory I think that might be quite true. Um, I think that a person's favorite Final Fantasy will always be the first one they played. And Final Fantasy X um, was the first one I played. 
That is um, an interesting theory, and I think you're probably right because obviously a lot of people we know of our sort of age and of our generation mm. all say Final Fantasy VII. Yes, uh, I think um, I people. Would- Will yeah. definitely be on the seven bandwagon. I mean, I yeah. mean, not saying that's a bad wagon. No, because seven I mean, is an absolutely fantastic. game. It's an incredible game. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, for the most, for people and their emotional <laughs> attachment to the series, will wholly depend on which one they play first. Yeah, I think because um, I think all through at least these games six to ten, there is a soul and a heart to these games yeah. that hasn't been there since ten. Um, and I think people connect to connect with that and yeah. have a nostalgic feeling with whatever whichever one they found first. Yeah. Mm. So I would probably agree because the first Final Fantasy I ever played and completed was Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, and, and that's your favorite. Six, you said times. six is my favorite. And then I played, you know, seven, eight, nine. 10 <laughs> all in order lucky all, you, in, all in order <laughs> ever since 6 like I was really lucky to be able to get into games when I was very young and although I did play 6 and at the time I didn't really understand it sort of just the aesthetic of it and everything yeah was to me so that theory could potentially hold true I mean I'll leave that up to sort of our listeners to decide whether or not they agree with you yeah but so Final Fantasy 10 was the first Final Fantasy you played yes um I think I think as a whole is probably the first RPG that I really ever got into. Um, I mean, would you technically count Shenmue as an RPG? uh, I would, but then Shenmue is a lot of things. Um, I think nowadays we would call it an RPG, but back in the day, I don't think anyone knew what the hell it was. In fact, Yu Suzuki actually had to make a a genre specifically for it that didn't stick. Unfortunately, it was called Free, a free game. Oh right, yeah. I did not um, know that. There you go. Fun fact. (laughs) <laughs> um, but obviously that didn't stick, uh, so now we we call it as an RPG. Um, but Final Fantasy X, I think, is definitely my first ever actual RPG, and um, the catalyst for loving that genre. And um, it's weird to me because uh, one of the things I love about video games the most is the fact that people can build worlds and make them come alive and tell amazing, incredible stories that would never happen. Um, in re- real life, in any contextually, dimension. I absolutely agree. Video games are of a point where they are as much filled with content and the world and characters and everything mm. as books and films. But I think they're the only one you can sort of engage with on a yes. practical level. Very contextual. Yes. Um, so RPGs being the um, the strongest. Uh, probably video game genre to have that immersive story and yeah, stuff I, would agree. I mean there are other games um, obviously that really do suck you in mm. but I think RPGs you spend hours on these things that's um, always my argument with uh, sort of story based games I always think RPGs are you know they're the longest genre of video game yeah they I mean, take like, hours and hours and when you're spending so long with a certain set of characters you develop emotions for those characters much more than you would if you were just playing, say, The Last of Us or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's a very short stint, you get to know the characters, you follow on their very short journey for 12 to 15 hours, Yeah, and then it sort of ends, and it's their story. Whereas Absolutely. an RPG is very much a sort of, it's your story with those characters. You spend, you're almost like their companion. Yeah. 
and yeah. you spend so long that if anything happens to those characters it's almost it hits you harder I completely agree and I think this holds truer to Final Fantasy X than it does to uh, any of the other Final Fantasies um, and I hear me out because I know that's a bold statement <laughs> um, but Tidus isn't from um, that world isn't from Spira no. and neither are you um, and when you're sucked into that world with Tidus you have to learn all the politeness you know how to bow how to yeah, pray yeah the nuances of Spira yes exactly uh, like, like if uh, a British guy like me went to Japan and didn't know anything about it I'd probably end up offending quite a lot of people um, <laughs> but like it's the same deal with Tidus he learns on his way and he's put in this world and he's kind of put in the dark for, the, for a lot of the things and things slowly get drip fed to him about how real situations are and how um, how much hurt and how much love is in this world. And I think you, with Titus, grow uh, to learn those things at the same time. Um, and that's why I think I can relate to Titus more than any of the other characters in Final Fantasy. Um, I mean, like, Cloud's story is fantastic, um, but I can't relate to that. Yeah, it's um, hard to relate to a man who is thinking he's another man. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Titus and... is very much, he is uh, sort of, he has a lot of character in himself. He's quite cheeky. Yeah, he's, he's like, a, he's like a, a golden retriever um, compared to the other um, Final <laughs> Fantasy characters. Yeah. He's very happy-go-lucky in a way. Yeah, but he, uh, in a sense, doesn't exist. No, he's... Um, so he is like you <laughs> to, that, to, to the game characters. You don't exist. You are pushing them along in a story of their own. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's why I think Final Fantasy X, um, out of all the Final Fantasies for me, uh, means the most. Yeah. Uh, because not only was it my first and my re- first real experience with RPGs, but it's also the one that made me re- truly feel that what I, my experience within the game um, was, uh, you know, being touched upon and it yeah. mattered. Um so yeah, it's it's definitely up there. Um, <laughs> man, uh, and the characters as well. I mean, like not only Tidus, but you've got Oren, what a badass, and you've got like uh, Wacker with the whole um, something about Mary hairstyle he's got going on, <laughs> uh, and like uh, you know, obviously for a guy who had not been playing RPGs uh, up until this point, um, these guys were weird. These guys were really interesting. Um, they were very much their own character. Ab- uh, yeah, it's, uh, exactly. Um, and um, for for a, a guy to sort of experience that for the first time and like um, uh, just get to know these people, because obviously you can talk to them throughout the f- what is it, 140 hours you, you spend time with them, um, and not once will you get bored of what they have to say. Yeah, um, they have a great dynamic as a group of characters. Uh, absolutely, um, as I think all uh, parties in every Final Fantasy does. However, um, I think more than any of the others as well. I, keep, I know I keep saying that, but Final Fantasy X Tens uh, Party has a sole purpose to help Yuna on her way. Yeah, um, they're all as a collective there just to essentially help Yuna. Yeah, and they're on that pilgrimage. You know, they they've got to get to one place to the other. Yeah. Um, and stuff happens. I never really thought of it as a pilgrimage. Well, yeah, that's what it is, though, um, yeah. because uh, they refer to it as pl- pilgrimage throughout the story. Yeah, um, I, but I, the the use of the word, 
I, mm-hmm. I never actually thought of it as a just them basically standing behind Yuna, pushing her along this predestined path. Yeah, and then breaking, eventually breaking away from that path, and yeah. you know, doing things their own way. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to compare um, that sort of objective and uh, grouping to other Final Fantasy games, um, uh, obviously you could argue that um, that is very simple compared to the others. Um, but yeah, all the other groups, they tend to, all the other parties, they tend to sort of like meet up by chance and like sort of go one place to the other quite sporadically without a, a real goal in mind. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, having that goal and even if it's a lie um, towards like, you know, you find out it's a lie towards the end or it's, um, it's uh, just a very difficult um, journey. You know, you, you learn from that. You're like, oh, well, I thought we were going to do this. And then like things start to change and like, oh, now we're going to do this. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden everything matters so much more. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just got a very strong story. Um, and uh, I think the characters are an, an amazing example of what RPGs uh, are capable of. Um, and obviously the music... <laughs> I yeah. listen to the music in my car. And, like, the fa- the Final Fantasy music <laughs> is so renowned, and it's, yeah. But particularly, I agree that Ten as a you know, I absolutely adore the piano piece for Zanagard. I think it's one of the best pieces of music in a video game, and so nostalgia-inducing. I agree. Um, there's there's nothing you said there uh, that I can't agree with. Um, I mean, like all the other Final Fantasy games, they have amazing music as well. Um, but like, I suppose it just like, well, like I said before, um, the first game from the series you play six through the the hardest, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, the the music just you know, it's it's That's a, it's a big part of that. Yeah, it is. Okay, it so is. while we're talking about RPGs, then I guess we should move on to your next one. Sure. Because it's an RPG and it's very similar to the game we've just been talking about. Indeed. So let's hear some music from that. So that was Dearly Beloved from Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm not crying. Who told you that? <laughs> so Kingdom Hearts then. Yes. The first game specifically, although Dearly Beloved features in Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, they feature in both. Um, yeah. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Kingdom Hearts, uh, the Dearly Beloved song is actually uh, first the first music, piece of music you hear from the series. Uh, not, that on the amazing, menu. <laughs> not that amazing. Yeah. Not that amazing, awesome. What can I do for you? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, isn't that the uh, X2? Oh, that's uh, X2. Which is yeah, the, yeah. Which is the uh, it, it's terrible the, um, J-pop. Yeah, there's this amazing J-pop at the start of the first oh, game. Oh, what is um, it? Uh, and uh, it goes... Um, uh, do, 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 do. You oh, here please, is oh, baby. Don't <laughs> please go. Please don't <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. 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 Oh, with uh, the, with it's, uh, 
with the massive carry... wave coming over and yeah 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 so uh, the... my mistake there but kingdom hearts right. 1 then yeah um i think it was the after playing 10 i i kind of like i didn't really i had like sort of like an idea of the final fantasy universe after that yeah um and uh i picked up kingdom kingdom hearts from wh smiths um back in the day uh and i didn't know anything about it i had no idea all i knew all i knew was it was made by square uh it had disney characters in it and i thought that idea was kind of naff but also really cool at the same time um and yeah like uh this kingdom hearts is the heart of um my philosophy that the less you know about a game the more you'll tend to enjoy it um when you play through it yes um, so stuck it in and just went on this amazing emotional ride uh, of a boy um, growing Very up. Very strange with his ride. Friends. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's no there's no illusions that the Kingdom Hearts story, um, at least the second one onwards, is incredibly convoluted and confusing. Do you but, do you know how Kingdom Hearts came about? Um, I think so, but please enlighten. Um, Square Enix. Well, Squaresoft at the time and mm. Disney Japan used to be in the same building. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the director of uh, Kingdom Hearts was cha- in a chance uh, sort of situation where he was in the lift with one of the heads at Disney Japan. Mm-hmm. And they sort of got talking about what they were up to, what their projects were. So Final Fantasy and whatever Disney were doing at the time. And then they went to lunch and they sort of discussed the idea of what happens if we combine both of these universes and what it would turn out like. And it turned out like Kingdom Hearts. What an incredible, um, incredible coincidence then. That <laughs> they were there and they've, uh, they've made this incredible piece of art, I'd call it. Well, this, um, uh, you think of Final Fantasy being a, a very expanded universe and sort of uh, a huge series. Kingdom Hearts has now grown into a massive series. Oh, it has. I, I'd say it's uh, deeper than, like, at least the story is a lot deeper than most um Well, it, it sort of continues throughout all the games, which, you know, Final Fantasy doesn't really, unless it's, yeah, it's true. 10, it's true. 10 to 13, 13 to, and Lightning Returns. Besides those, yeah. Yeah, but as a sort of, you know, it's got, two mainstay games mm-hmm. it has the handheld versions the mobile versions it's it's spread across pretty much every console um past post ps2 era that i can think of <laughs> it's uh, that's why it's very difficult to keep on top of the story uh because you can't own all these bloody consoles no well um, it, <laughs> and it also goes it goes from the past to the present to the future to yep. in between to uh, dimensions that don't exist, yeah. um, to talking about people that don't <laughs> technically exist, uh, versions of different characters, like two two per person. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just very convoluted. Um, although um, you gotta, you, you you have to appreciate the the main theme of the game, which is uh, finding your friends and getting making new friends and finding the light when it seems darkest. And uh, that's uh, that's an amazing message, I think, um, especially for fourteen-year-old me uh, <laughs> when I was playing this game for the first time. Yeah, um, is uh, yeah, it was very good. Um, I think uh, I think Kingdom Hearts brought out the completionist in me because it was the very first game that I had um, 
uh, aspired to sort of get every single bit of items in there, get the ultimate weapon, um, finish every aspect, every quest, every boss, uh, just completely annihilate it in terms of content. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I've ever been that determined with any game before that. Um, so, yeah, it really opened up sort of like a, um, uh, a perfectionist sort of vibe in me when it comes to video games. Um, so yeah. being someone who went from 10 to then go to play Kingdom Hearts and you were like, oh, another Final Fantasy game. Um, mm. The difference in gameplay and the way the two games play... How did that sort of feel when you were 14 and playing these games? See, I think it was okay because, um, oddly enough, I think I was more familiar with the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts than I was The with... sort of hack and slash and then yeah, use abilities. Yeah. I mean, I, I played loads of like third-person action games before that, like nondescript ones or on the PS1, yeah. PS2. Um, and, yeah, I felt more at home with um, the way Kingdom Hearts played. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a bit cool as well because like obviously you got the little uh, menu on the left hand corner where it looks like a little Final Fantasy menu yeah. uh, where you can go through your magic and stuff like that and you actually have to navigate that yeah. while you're playing in combat it looks which like was, an active time battle sort of yeah, yeah and it was a very uh, that was a very cool idea um, and I appreciated that and I think that sort of mel- um, uh, the melding of those two styles uh, yeah. worked really well at the time yeah Kingdom um, Hearts the, the sort of gameplay seemed so strange at the time yeah it worked because you could just press square really quickly and then you'd be like, oh, I'm going to use my abilities and magic yeah. and limit breaks. and It just all sort of fitted together nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, so, yeah, going back to the fact that I thought that the Disney thing was a little naff at first, um, but also intriguing, um, that immediately uh, d- disappeared as soon as I got to the, like the first few worlds that you visit like the Alice in Wonderland and the Tarzan <laughs> worlds I thought like oh look at this guy interacting with Disney characters who I'd grown up watching my entire life yeah were you a big fan of Disney when you were younger oh yeah I was um, my sister was above all a Disney child and as a result I uh, <laughs> I'd seen everything that she'd seen yeah um, uh, Aladdin being my favorite Disney film um, alongside uh, things like Hercules yeah, um, which both she, take a big part in the Kingdom Hearts universe as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, she grew up like w- uh, watching like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and all the like more girly ones that you know a typical uh, five-year-old boy wouldn't end up seeing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'd 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 have a, a vast sort of knowledge of the Disney world sort of thing, and uh, because I was really new to the whole Final Fantasy aspect of the game at that point. Um, I felt very at home, like visiting these worlds. You, you were one of the only people I think who knew, who potentially knew more about the Disney characters than <laughs> the actual Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd be honest with you, uh, I had known about Cloud and all that sort of thing uh, before Kingdom Hearts. And, I'd played yeah. Seven just before uh, playing Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Um, yeah, it was around the same time actually that I was playing them both, but I think I put down Seven. Um, for a little bit so I could play Kingdom Hearts okay. uh, please don't lynch me um, <laughs> people who are read um, but yeah uh, I I remember specifically a bit when you go to tra- I think um, Traverse Town yeah, at the very start yeah. uh, you go into this uh, shop and you meet Squall um, for the first time okay and you hadn't uh, played but- 8 at the time 
Yeah, I hadn't played eight at the time. And uh, in the game, which was a bit confusing to me, uh, in Kingdom Hearts, he was known as Leon. Um, he'd change his name. Oh, and they'd only, yeah. They'd, yeah, they'd only, they'd only call uh, him Squall at one point when Yuffie uh, accidentally uttered it out loud. Um, and yeah, I didn't know who he was. And I thought he looked pretty cool. And it's like, oh, this guy must be a fan fantasy character. Um, and obviously, like, the uh, curiosity that led from... Um, was meeting all these characters like got me to play in the, their respective games as well. Yeah. So you could say that Kingdom Hearts was um, kind of a way to um, find more love in the Final Fantasy realm as well um, because obviously I was new to that and uh, it was a great way, of, great, way, great way of introducing me to these characters um, yeah. in a way that maybe Raiden looked up at Snake, you know? Uh, oh, like yeah. he didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, but he revered them in a way. Um, he revered him in a way. So it's maybe the same thing from my perspective, seeing all these fan fantasy characters, yeah. and like not really knowing who they are or where the camp backgrounds come from, but yet really respecting them and wanting so to this, know more. So playing, because Squall was a, he was like a sub-boss in Traverse Town, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, um, so playing these sort of games, did, well, playing Kingdom Hearts specifically, did it inspire you to go back and play the Final Fantasy games? Oh, it definitely did. Um, after playing Kingdom Hearts, I blasted through 7, uh, got myself 8, and then got 9. Um, yeah, so just it, like in that general order after 10 as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you could say that if it weren't for Kingdom Hearts, I would have missed out on all the other Final Fantasies as well. Yeah. Oh, well, fantastic. So I guess that's your sort of story about... Fi- Everyone sort of has a story about how they got into Final Fantasy... Yeah, and you don't very often hear people being sort of inspired by sp- spin-offs, essentially. Yeah, I yeah, would, I would, I would say Kingdom Hearts is a spin-off series of the Final Fantasy universe. I, I would definitely agree with you, um, despite it sort of um, coming now, to its own. Yeah, now it's definitely its own thing. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. So, sort of now, we're going to sort of completely go the opposite way into a genre we've not spoke about now for your next game. <laughs> and it's a game that means a lot to the both of us. Oh, yes. And so, I guess I'll, I'll just get straight into playing some music for it then. Let's do it. Street Fighter 4. Yes. Let's this, talk about Street Fighter 4. Let's absolutely talk about Street Fighter 4. For one, you've put it on your list as one of the most important games to you. Yes. And two, because this is a game we have spent our college years, our university years, and our current working careers playing. I think I've spent more time playing Street Fighter 4 
than I have s- sleeping during my college years. Um, it, it's definitely a game that you and I have both played incessantly um, since its release, um, from vanilla to super to ultra. Um, it's it's been it's always been there, and we've always been playing it. We have always been playing it. We were very competitive as a group, <laughs> uh, playing Street Fighter Four. Uh, yeah, throw a whiskey it. shot if you lose or win. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So let's sort of talk about one of our more infamous memories of Street Fighter, because I'm sure it's why it is on this list for you. <laughs> well, it's one of many reasons. But, yeah, let's do. So, when we were in university, being university students that we were, we played a lot of video games, didn't go to a lot of lectures. <laughs> Not a lot of time, no. Um, and most of the time, we were spent all playing Street Fighter. Yep. So, one of the games we used to play was a game where we used to buy a bottle of whiskey, and it would more than likely be the cheapest whiskey available, because we were all extremely Idiots. fucking poor <laughs> um, and then we would there was usually four of us yep and we would play winner stays on and the winner has to drink a shot of whiskey yep it was horrifying at times I, I almost didn't want to win despite our competitive nature of that game yeah. it made me not want to win if and <laughs> if if you were the drunkest by the end of the evening, you were, you the, were best, the winner. You were the best Street Fighter player, and there were oh, and this is not a game we played once or twice. This is a game we played. Very, Our livers don't like us. <laughs> very often, very very often, and it was tough at times. To yeah, play. I could say you could say that it really was. But, you could say that um, all the time we spent playing the game when we weren't drinking whiskey alongside it was just practice for when we were playing yeah. whiskey. Yeah, we were very competitive about Street Fighter Four. Um, As a group, yeah. we all strive to be better. Absolutely, I like to think that um, when Street Fighter Four came out, it just kind of revived that competitive nature we all had in, in yeah, each other. Yeah, I mean. Personally, apart from Smash Brothers, I'd never really been into fighting games too much. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed them, but not on any sort of competitive level where I cared to learn combos or anything like that. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, I had a a hell of a lot of fighting games growing up. Um, First one being Street Fighter 2, which would be on this list had it not been for my college years. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, like there was Marvel vs. Capcom, Tekken. Um, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 very much stands out for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, like it had been years after those games that I'd actually really cared about fighting games. Yes. Um, and then Street Fighter 4 came out. And then me and our friend Alan, our mutual friend Alan, yeah. we, bought, we bought one. Uh, we went splitsies on this game. Uh, and we put it in the PS3 and we didn't stop playing it for six or seven years yeah. <laughs> and we still play it now we do we do um it's amazing um how much time and effort and just fun we've had with this game yeah. with with each other um it's definitely revived the street fighting sorry not street fighting, just the fighting genre in in general very um, much it looks like the community i mean we have a friend a mutual friend um ben yep. who is absolutely obsessed with the fighting game culture 
That's right. Um, although, although he does prefer Third Strike. He does uh, prefer Third Strike, but that's because he never played Street Fighter Whiskey with us. Uh, no, that's precisely why. Or maybe that's <laughs> a reason why no one plays with us anymore. <laughs> um, but Street Fighter means a lot to both you and I, and I can see why it is on your list. Let yeah. alone for the fact that, you know, fantastic gameplay, awesome art style, mm. and sort of everything, all the different characters it had. It's just one of those games that oh, we played for so long. Uh, I can say that Street Fighter 4 was the game that I had played the most consistently through my time in university. Because when I was in university, uh, I didn't really have a console at the time. Uh, I had a 360, but I never played it. Um, every time a game would come out, I'd do my best to play it. But it always it always seemed like I couldn't get myself invested into it. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it's just like uni was really getting in the way with the whole um uh gaming thing that i had going on like all my life uh so when street fighter 4 came along it was a game that you could just pick up and play and just play for hours on end with friends um not having to invest yourself because obviously half the greatness of uni is having friends and hanging out with them and when you have a mutual interest in a game like this uh and you can play games and hang out with your friends at the same time what's not to like yeah um, absolutely yeah um and they're, uh, they're some of the games that stick with you the games that you socially spend a lot of time playing yes they're very much the they're the ones that although you have fantastic memories of playing games on your own you know kingdom yeah. hearts shenmue it's hard not to think of the times you've spent with other people playing games exactly in my uh, opinion I mean, I remember when I was playing Guile um, at your place, uh, and I don't like for people who know me. I don't like Guile. I don't no, like child characters. That's like. <laughs> that's Liam's character. That is um, very much more my character. <laughs> I remember um, not knowing how to do charge attacks at the time uh, because I was very drunk and the game was very new. <laughs> this was Street Fighter Whiskey. Um, <laughs> I uh, I kept winning. I think I won six in a row. Because all I kept doing was pressing um, fierce punch <laughs> over yeah. and over again. And somehow people were losing. <laughs> and I don't know if they were doing it on purpose to get me fucked off my face. But it, it happened. And I, I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that very clearly. Um, and I just couldn't... You know, I, I could have spent hours playing Ryu and like yeah. learning the moves and all the setups and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But having had the most success with Guile against the two... Like, the, the three best Street Fighter um, players I knew at the time. Yeah. It's just quite weird. <laughs> I specifically remember one time where Alan had been playing it non-stop. Oh, yeah. And he... Arguably, Alan got the best out of all of us. Yeah, out of the four of us, I'd yeah. say that he was definitely the most successful. And there was one time where we were at Alan's place, and Alan kept winning, and winning, <laughs> and winning, and he had to keep drinking shot after shot after shot. He was, he and was... he he descended basically into the depths of emptiness. That <laughs> he, he didn't talk anymore in he fear of. He uh... just he just got up and he went to bed and he was asleep for twenty one hours or something. The next day he was so out of it, <laughs> and that's all thanks to him being good at Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has got that experience because he was good with Ryu. He was um... <laughs> he was very good. He was very yeah. good. Uh, I remember actually um, a little uh, victory over Alan um, on the last 
what was it? The last New Year's Eve we had. We, at his yes, place. we had a New Year's Eve party, and I remember filming you beating Alan <laughs> and celebrating maniacally. Yes, um, we've obviously the four of us have always had a bit of a rivalry between each other, but obviously all of us were aiming to get as good, or if not better, than Alan. Yes, um, and I remember we were both very drunk. But the fact that I beat him and then got you to record <laughs> my gloating uh, has been a very um, uh, bookmarked after uh, all those years. Sort of experience after all those years, it proves how much Street Fighter, as a competitive game in our group, meant to us. Yes, to be absolutely. beating Alan, who was constantly on top of all of us, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Uh, I love Street Fighting. Uh, like I love Street Fighter um, as a series. Uh, the characters are hilarious, um, but <laughs> having people main their character and their characters sort of representing them in a group of friends is just hilarious, and just I love that sort of aspect <laughs> of it. Well, I guess we can sort of move on to your next game, which is yeah. very much on a sort of similar vein to why you love Street Fighter Four so much. Mm. So, although it doesn't really have much music associated with the game. Let's play some music from it. So that was the menu theme music from Counter-Strike Source. It was. Um, so you're Not f- something that a lot of people would recognize, I don't think, unless you've spent... No, I don't think Counter-Strike really has any iconic music associated with it. I could be wrong. Uh, it's not my area of expertise. No, to be fair with you, it's not my area of expertise either. The reason this is on my list is, like you said, very much the same uh, as Street Fighter Four. Uh, it's the um, playing with friends and the playing with ast- like just having fun with um, strangers and uh, the pe- people that are close to you um, the entire time you're playing it. It's, this is the reason why. I mean, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard uh, with my friends than when I have uh, been playing Counter-Strike with them. <laughs> so this is the final game on your list. It is. Although um, this list is in no particular order whatsoever. No. Um... Out of all the games, this is probably uh, on my list. This is probably the least favorite, although I can't deny how much fun I've had with it, um, mainly because of uh, the people I played it with. Um, It beat a lot of games here, to be honest, uh, for this spot, um, because I could have put Shadow Colossus on this. I could have put Pokemon Blue or Red. I could have put um, all sorts of different games. Resident Evil, you know, um, Silent Hill 2. There's a lot of games that this has beaten to this list. Um, even though I love all of those games uh, and had amazing experiences with those, um, the fact that uh, that it opened my online gaming sort of sociable sort of aspect of my life, uh, it has to be on there because I can't deny that the, the amount of fun I've had with this game uh, even though I suck at it so badly, <laughs> um, you know I can't deny its existence. Um, I mean, like being on TeamSpeak, 
with a group of friends and just talking shit and sucking <laughs> at the game and like um <laughs> yeah and in, just laughing at the happenstances that happen in the yeah. game like uh, oh no i've had a headshot oh no i've i've died again or what's it? i don't know just yeah, just i am absolutely terrible at counter strike as you know <laughs> and watching or listening to me rage and get angry <laughs> yeah see that's part of the uh, the, <laughs> the beauty of it i mean um obviously Counter Strike Source is a game I played for uh, years uh, since 2007 onwards um, and even though this is, I'm going to be talking about Global Offensive for a little bit uh, because it's um, it's an experience that you could relate to as well yeah um, we were both at LAN um, Insomnia uh, the last last April was it? Uh, yeah recently the April yes. this year yeah uh, and uh, we all uh, downloaded uh, Global Offensive and played it with the four of us Um and you, I recall you buying it just to play with us. I literally bought Go just to play at that LAN. Yeah. I am not a huge fan of Counter-Strike. I'm not a fan of first-person shooters, really, mm. at all. But I, I, I've had fun with Source in the past, as you described, sort of playing with your friends, having a laugh, being terrible yeah. that it's fun. Uh, yeah. No competitiveness, no nothing for me. No um, pretense like that. No. Yeah, but as you said, yeah, I downloaded it literally just to play it at this land. And um, we both have a mutual friend who, uh, if you were to clone uh, myself and Liam, and then uh, about I, I don't know about clone us about a hundred times each. So there's two, there's two hundred of us, a hundred Sean's, a hundred Liam's, and you grind the doors us all up, and then put us in a uh, a, a cocktail of Counter-Strike skill and you drank that cocktail with no Counter-Strike skill whatsoever and you still wouldn't be as good as this guy we were playing with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Tolley, also uh, a colleague of yours at Rockstar QA. Yep. Uh, um, he's, he's very good. <laughs> he is very, very good at Counter-Strike. Um, so yeah, what we were doing is uh, we were putting Steve on one team and there were about four of us on the other team trying to track him down. Trying to kill him in gun game. Yes. And I have to say, for, throughout the four days or three days we were at LAN, that was my highlight. We because... won once. <laughs> yeah, Although exactly. I did kill Steve with a normal knife when he had the golden knife and that was the highlight of my life i think <laughs> that's I... it that's the thing um counter strike is so difficult to be good at and even when you're when you fluke something or when you like genuinely have the one like 30 second period of skill where you pull off something amazing it is a highlight uh, that you'll never forget yeah absolutely um, <laughs> and we were doing this with steve and um it was the most fun we had on on that land um, because it's just like just the talking shit to each other and <laughs> and I hate to use the word but the banter, um, the banter. Oh, <laughs> of, no. of just of just uh, playing this game uh, and just <laughs> the the faux competitiveness of yeah, it. Obviously, absolutely. we weren't like serious or anything, but no. we were having fun with it. it and, and it um, is, and it sort of harks back to uh, when you used to play Counter Strike Source. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean. There was many, many nights where I'd spend hours upon hours just uh, on TeamSpeak with my fellow college friends um, who uh, were into all sorts of games. But uh, eventually, uh, after they'd sort of like, uh, oh, I've done my daily quest for today, like on WoW or whatever, we would get on Counter-Strike 
have LAN parties, uh, play Counter-Strike for hours or even days and nights. And um, it would just be the best time. It would literally be um, the reason that people get to play, get together and play games. It's just, uh, just magical moments. And that's why it makes your list. Yeah, that's why it makes my list. Because at the end of the day, you could... Uh, <laughs> this might be a bit hypocritical from the guy who chose Sonic 2 over his childhood friends. But at the end of the day, um, friends and the people who you have in common uh, with games is what makes them special. Because uh, if you, you know, obviously you get these experiences with these games on your own, yeah. but if you can't share them with your friends, then uh, they're, they're only half as special. <laughs> Fantastic. So we've come to the end now of your eight games, the, the, most, the eight most important games to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was very difficult to choose them. I've got to say, um, I initially put down a list of eight to begin with, but then I started remembering all these amazing games from my life, and uh, yeah, I th- ended up with a list of about twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two games. Narrowing those down to eight has been the hardest thing I've had to do recently. Oh, that, um, well, that's what this is sort of about, sort of. Think, spending time thinking about what is important to you, what are the games that have influenced you or inspired you to be where you are today, and then narrowing it down to those very vital moments yeah. where you've had the, the biggest experiences, the, the, the experiences that have made you the person you are today, essentially. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, if it weren't for the, a lot of these games, um, I wouldn't have uh, experienced any of the worlds and the stories and the amazing characters and um, themes and messages that have sort of shaped me as a person, really. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, things like Shenmue and Metagay Solid, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny that um, they rival any film or novel. Um, and uh, to be able to tell a story where you can invest yourself so personally into it yeah. uh, is very special indeed. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you two very difficult questions. If you're going to ask me to narrow it down to one, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to firstly ask you, because now you are stuck. You have been essentially placed on a remote island in the middle of nowhere, and mm-hmm. you can only play these eight titles, essentially. But okay. if you could only choose three consoles... To be uh, on that island, what would the consoles be? Right. I think... I think I can narrow it down to three. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem too hard, I'll be honest with you. Um, because Metal Gear Solid, uh, I could play that on the PS2 with its backward compatibility, uh, as well as Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. Um, and Street Fighter... Well, not Street Fighter. But um, yeah, I could play those with the PS2. Um, uh, are PC, do PCs count? You gonna count uh, PCs? Okay, PCs count. Okay, then just a PC then. <laughs> no internet access though. Oh really? Oh, yeah, because okay. otherwise you'd be able to get off the island. Okay, so I'll take a uh, a Game Boy. Um, let's make it a Game Boy SP. Um, uh, a PS2, and a uh, PC with these games pre-installed. Okay. That that sounds fair. You can have those. Cool. But more difficult than choosing those three, Sean, 
if you could only save one of those games. If I could, what, from, let's say, okay. A tsunami comes and washes away all the games but one. Which game would it be? Which one could you save? You're a very cruel man. (laughs) Um, Right, well, I'm on a bit of an emotional high at the moment. Uh, with uh, what's happening with Shemu, um, <laughs> with it being like finally being continued and all that, um, its reveal for the E3 uh, Sony conference has made me realise how massively important it was for me to hear Yu Suzuki say, "I'm going to finish it." Um, so really, above all these eight games, I'm going to have to go with Shenmue because um, I don't think there's a a game on here that has shaped me to be the person I am more than that one um, and I feel like it's very difficult to justify um, how it's done that and, and I hope I have um, you know talked about it and like explained but at the same time I don't feel satisfied that I've actually come across um, why it's so important you're um, still sort of looking for why it is yeah. so important to you personally I, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird game, um, uh, but it's definitely the one of the eight that I care about the most. And if had had there been a tsunami and I could only save one, it'd have to be that one. Okay. Well, on that, I guess we'll play a final piece of music from Shenmue. Thanks for talking with me today, Sean. It's been a been a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely, I loved hearing about your eight games, especially considering some of them are so personal to me. Yes, yes. Uh, I think we share uh, very similar tastes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the main theme from Shenmue. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to Final Games. This was a podcast about the games that inspire us. I'm the host, Liam Edwards, and you can follow me on Twitter at LiamBME. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any feedback, direct it towards me on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening.